For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Thanksgiving weekend is here, and it's one of my favorite times of the year. You got family, you got food, and you got football. Looking forward to taking care of the family and the food on Thursday, and then on Saturday, it's all about football. That's what we're going to talk about on the TreeCast. With Troy Clary, Stanford football heading down to UCLA this upcoming Saturday afternoon. And that will be the focus of the show for Wednesday, November the 21st, 2018. Hi, everyone. Troy Clarity here. Hope your week has been a good one so far. Uh, of course, we had to change some things around with the posting schedule for this week. Uh, thanks to the uh, postponement of Big Game, which is now coming up on December 1st. More on that in a moment or so. But glad that you're with us on the show. Got an announcement for you coming up in a couple of minutes. And our special guest, Stanford wide receivers coach, Bobby Kennedy. Wide receivers have obviously been been quite productive, especially the past month or so. But uh, who is the man who is tasked with leading J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Trenton Irwin and, and Osiris St. Brown and, 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 and those guys every single week and every single day? We're going to head inside the wide receivers room with uh, Stanford coach, Bobby Kennedy coming up in just a few minutes. Looking forward to having that chat with him. Uh, a couple of ground rules, or at least not ground rules, but just a couple of housekeeping notes, I should say. First, an introduction in case you're new to the show. Hi, I'm Troy Clarity, 26th year of following Stanford football, third year of doing tree casts in podcast form. And you can also check me out on the Pac-12 Network. One more soccer game coming up for me this week. It's coming up on Friday, and it's a big one. NCAA Women's Soccer Tournament Time Elite Eight action with the Cardinal hosting the Tennessee Volunteers, the Lady Vols, and uh, the winner goes on to the College Cup. That's on Friday at 2 p.m. at the Pac-12 Network. Can't wait to bring that one to you. And then after that, on Saturday morning, I hop on the plane, head down to Los Angeles, and it brings me to my big announcement for this TreeCast. Saturday afternoon, you can check me out on the sidelines. For the Stanford Football Radio Network, looking forward to reporting live uh, from the Rose Bowl and uh, being with the guys on the air this time. Uh, Scott Reese, play-by-play, Todd Huzak, uh, color analyst, and yours truly on the sidelines. So we'll see you at 11 a.m. on the Stanford Football Radio Network on KMBR 1050 here in the San Francisco Bay Area and on TuneIn Worldwide. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Always uh, it's a different game on the sidelines, man. Different different game on the sidelines. So looking forward to bringing you uh, that perspective uh, this upcoming Saturday against UCLA, which will be which will be the first time that Stanford has played a football game in two weeks. Had an unexpected Saturday without a game last week. Obviously, the the smoke hanging around the Bay Area, the smoke from the the campfires up in Butte County. It just got worse and worse. I thought it was it was improving a little bit early last week, 
And then Thursday, it just got rotten. I mean, that was that was worse than the fires that that we had experienced here, the Tubbs fire outside of Santa Rosa that we experienced in October of last year. That was Thursday and Friday last week were just absolutely brutal. And so obviously the the, the right decision uh, to postpone a big game in Berkeley, which will now be played on December 1st with a noon kickoff on that day. Right move to postpone. I, I, I just I just kind of wish that that the Twitterverse had been a little bit more patient with things because I was seeing things all throughout Friday morning of last week. They should have canceled this game. They should postpone it. They, okay, great. Well, and I'm sure that they'd reach that decision fairly quickly between Cal and the Pac-12. Uh, I'm not sure if the TV folks had had any say in this or anything like that, but but I'm sure that Cal was driving the bus here with the special assistance from uh, from the Pac-12 and the NCAA as well. And I'm sure that, you know, maybe perhaps that decision had been made relatively early on. But before you announce a decision like that, you got to make sure that all the all the I's are dotted and the and the T's are crossed and the P's and Q's are ready to go. You have to make sure that that you've a ex- exhausted every alternative. Uh, apparently, they're looking at places uh, in, in, in Monterey. Uh, potentially to play Santa Cruz, uh, or at least uh, or at least down in that area. Uh, the women's soccer games that were supposed to be held the NCAA tournament at Stanford on Friday were actually moved to Salinas uh, last week. So uh, they were, they were looking for alternatives, and I'm sure that they, you know, once they made the decision to move it to December 1st, then they had to make sure that they could move the game to December 1st. There were a lot of moving parts that that go into hosting a football game. Staffing, uh, security, and, and, and police and fire services, all, all sorts of things go into hosting a college football game, especially in Berkeley, I'd imagine, and especially big game. So while Friday morning Twitterverse was clamoring for the, for the postponement of big game, I was saying, look, hang on, be patient here. I'm sure they just, they just have to make sure that everything is okay and make sure that they can move it to December 1st. So eventually everything got settled and they made the announcement early last Friday afternoon uh, to go ahead and move big game to December 1st. And again, right move, right move to make. You know, I was a little, dis- you know, a little disappointed for me personally, but, but, but my disappointment obviously doesn't compare to the disappointment and the other emotions that, that folks who are directly affected by the fires in Butte County and also the fires uh, the Woolsey fire down in uh, down down in Southern California as well. My disappointment doesn't compare to uh, the emotions uh, that those folks are feeling. So, had a had a bonus Saturday to watch a little football. Sat down and watched UCLA and USC, and uh, watched as the Bruins ended up taking care of business against USC, thirty-four to twenty-seven, the final score that day. And I wasn't the only one who got a chance to sit on the couch. And watch that game. It's been a lot of fun to watch the wide receivers develop throughout the course of the year. Especially particularly as Stanford's offense has evolved from, it seems, it's, it's, it's run first, pack them in, pound and ground style philosophy. To a bit more of a spread them out. You know, ratchet up the tempo just a little bit. You know, no huddle, but, but still a quick tempo. Uh, pass-first uh, oriented attack uh, for Stanford football over the past few weeks. 
that kind of approach is certainly a bit good, a bit more good news for the Stanford wide receivers. And Stanford has some good ones, as you know, if you're listening to this show. J.J. Arcega, Whiteside getting top billing. Trenton Irwin, what a fantastic career uh, that he has had. Um, Connor Weddington, haven't seen that much of him this year, but has, has still shown some promise. Michael Wilson, Osiris St. Brown. Wide receivers have, have gotten a lot of work done, as have the tight ends. And after Tuesday evening's practice, I caught up with Stanford wide receivers coach Bobby Kennedy. And the, the first thing that I asked him were, were, you know, he suddenly had a Saturday without a game to coach him. So after the announcement was made early on Friday afternoon, that big game would be moved back a couple of weeks. I asked Bobby Kennedy how that announcement changed the rest of his weekend. First of all, I gave our guys some time off and guys a uh, chance to get a little healthier and and heal up a little bit. But you know, it was just meant watching watching some film and, and getting ready for UCLA because if we uh, obviously if we couldn't play the big game last weekend, you gotta start preparing for the next game that, that was UCLA. Yeah, certainly obviously maybe get a little more of a scouting advantage perhaps, you know, a chance to, to sit on the couch and check out the Bruins there a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I did watch the game and uh, I, I enjoyed watching it. That's always a, uh, a fun matchup to watch when it's uh, when it's USC and UCLA, and, and obviously the Bruins are playing really well. Um, it was a hard-fought victory, and uh, you know we, we've got to we've got to come out and play our best to, to beat these guys. Let's talk about the season as a whole uh, to this point, and specifically what the receivers have been able to contribute. JJ Arcega, Whiteside, some superstar performances. Trent Irwin, some big days as well. Um, Osiris St. Brown, big catches. O- overall, as you look at the wide receivers this season, how would you assess how things have gone for the unit uh, this season? Well, obviously JJ and Trent. Are have been models of uh, leadership for our group and, and just really good guys um, for younger players to learn from. And, and you know, they put in the work every day. And so I'm not surprised that they're, uh, they're having success. And, and it's, fun to, it's fun to be with them every day because they're, they're eager to learn, they're eager to work, and, and uh, they, just, they just come ready every day. And so that's obviously uh, very gratifying as a coach. And then when you have guys, like you said, like Michael Wilson and Osiris St. Brown and Simi Fajoka, and, I mean, we, we have such a good group, and, and, and I credit that, to, obviously, to Vita Pritchard and, and Brad Isaac because they, uh, they did a really good job putting this group together long before I got here. Um, but just to see the way that the, the culture is in the room, and, and uh, the bonds that they formed, it's, it's, it's really fun and it's really really exciting to watch these guys work and and just interact with each other every day. Yeah, which, which of those guys would you say has made the most strides throughout the course of the year? Yeah, you know, I mean, I would say um, Osiris obviously uh, has done some really good things early and made some made some big catches. Um, we got to continue to find ways to get him the ball, but I'm I'm continually impressed with with Michael Wilson as as a freshman, um, just in terms of how he's uh, managed the offense and learned the offense and, and been able to contribute and and he, he's gonna he's gonna be a, a guy to look for in the future because he's. Uh, like I said, he puts in the work, and, and, and he's a guy that wants to be really good, and that's half the battle. I was really looking forward to seeing what Connor Weddington was going to bring uh, to the offensive scheme this fall. Hasn't happened mostly because of injury, but yeah. but that yardage after a catch, sure. you know, that seemed to be a bit of an emphasis during the spring. We saw that from him, from him during the spring game. Haven't been able to see it so far this fall, but but when Weddington's on the field, what are some things that he can bring? Yeah, well, Con- Connor's an integral part of our group, and, and uh, we have missed him this year because he is a guy that, that creates – 
um, you know, passing game, explosion plays. And he's a guy that, with the run after the catch, can, can score any time the, the ball's in his hand. And I just look forward to the future with him because, obviously, he, uh, you know, he, he's a skill set. You know, everybody forgets that, that this is only really his second year playing wide receiver. And so he's still learning the finer points of the game uh, at, at that position. But, but, but he's such a – he's a sponge. He wants to be good. Uh, he works at it. Um, I'm really looking forward to the future with him because he, he will create an aspect of our offense uh, – that that creates explosive plays, and, and, uh, and we got to find a way to get him the ball. Of course, one of the big fortes of this receiving core, even though the tight ends as well, is the ability to come down with the jump ball, contested catches, high pointing, it just making you know defensive backs look kind of silly out there. You know, what, what sort of things? You know, how can you coach catching the jump ball, or are those things that that can be taught? Yeah, well, uh, we do a number of things. Um, we do distraction drills uh, when guys are running side by side, and we kind of throw it behind them. They have to reach over and 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 reach for the ball and kind of pluck it away with 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 guys. Reaching, you know, reaching for their arms, and um, we talk continuously about holding space on the sideline so that you have room to, uh, you know, to, to go up and make those catches. Um, we, I know Tavita every week works in the red zone with our guys on, on, on what we call jumps, um, and it's just battling one on one with the DB. And so, so we're constantly trying to improve in that area. But, but you know, making those contested catches, um, you no. Know, a lot of times it's easy when nobody's around you. Now when somebody's hanging on you, you got to be able to go up and get it. So, so it's definitely a, a point of emphasis for us. And, and, uh, and our guys have, have taken to the coaching, but they are also you know, have skills from when they were basketball players and things like that that have, have carried over. So it's, it's been really, really fun to watch. Overall, are there, there certain nuances and certain things that a receiver has to be aware and bring to the table in this offensive scheme that might be unique to the scheme and maybe some things you don't necessarily see in other places? Well, yeah, number one, you've got to be really intelligent, and obviously they won't be here at Stanford if they weren't, but we, we run so many different formations and so many different schemes that they've got to be able to absorb a lot, and, and they've got to be able to um, understand the entire concept. And so, yeah, it's a little different than, than maybe a place that, uh, that runs eight plays really fast, you know, and so, so we ask our guys to do a lot. They're able to do a lot because, uh, because they're, really, uh, they're really bright, and, um, and then also moving around, moving guys around, you know, creates different matchups with linebackers and nickelbacks and, and safeties and things like that. So, so uh, yeah, this offense is definitely a, uh, it's been an education for me and it's been unique, but I know also as young guys it's been fun to see uh, Michael Wilson and Simi Fajoka um, Connor Weddington um, come in and absorb so much and be able to play at a, at a young age. A couple last questions for Stanford wide receivers. Coach Bobby Kennedy joining us here on the TreeCast. Up next, the UCLA Bruins trip down south to face uh, the Bruins, as we talked about, coming off a big win for you, uh, over USC last week and feeling, I'm sure, a lot better about themselves now than they were at some early points in the season where some things were trying to get settled. You look at UCLA and their secondary and some things they try to throw at you. What are some things that stand out? Well, uh, First of all, very athletic, very fast. Um, guys that, that break extremely well on the ball, um, but they recover so well, and they, they use their hands trying to redirect receivers. Um, and so, so we've got our hands full because uh, these guys, uh, they, they, um, they've been getting better every game. Um, obviously, a Chip Kelly uh, coach team um, is going to be well prepared. And so, so we're going to have our hands full with, with, with these defensive backs. But... Um, you know, we just we just got we just got to fight because, uh, like I said, and you mentioned it earlier, going up for the ball and making those high point catches and making the low catches, uh, we we got to go do those things because because we're going to be contested. There's no doubt about it. 
I can't wait to walk into that building on Saturday. The Rose Bowl, obviously, such a special place, and I, my mind is going to flash back to uh, the 2016 Rose Bowl when Stanford beat Iowa handily. Um, you were in that building that day. <laughs> I saw it live. Yeah. yeah, you were on the <laughs> Iowa sideline. Yeah. I mean, how, yeah. what do you remember from that day, and how how weird is it, kind of being on the other side of it now? Yeah, well, uh, gosh, that's going to be my first time back in that building wow. right. uh, since since that game, and the the thing that I um, remember most about that game is Christian McCaffrey uh, seeing his back a bunch of times and uh, and just just having it be a really long day for uh, for the Hawkeyes but uh, now that I'm here um, hey it's go Cardinal all the way all right as we wrap this up here uh, overall things overall points uh, for improvement that you want to see uh, not just from the wide receivers but yeah. it, but for the team as a whole as we enter the final two weeks of the, of the season here yeah well we, we just we just got to continue to improve I just I just talked to, to the receivers about you know the games people remember are in December and, and November, and so uh, so hopefully we'll be playing our best football um, at this stage of the season, and um, we continue we got to continue to do a good job on the perimeter, creating uh, you know explosive plays for Bryce and for other running backs, um, but also you know just just going out. What, what I look for every game is is are we going out? Are we are we are we ready to compete? Are we going to give it our all? Are we going to give it effort? Um, because if our group's doing that and then and the offensive line's doing that, and the quarterback's doing that, and, and the tight ends are doing that, running backs are doing that, then, then we have a chance to win. And, and when, when you're on the same page and guys are, guys are pulling on the same rope, uh, good things happen. So, so I'm looking for our team to come out and really really play well. And so I'm, I'm excited going, like you said, there's nothing like going to the Rose Bowl, so, so it's exciting. Should be a lot of fun. Coach, thanks a bunch. Best of luck on Saturday and the rest of the regular season. We'll talk again soon. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks. Anytime. And Stanford wide receivers, Coach Bobby Kennedy. Good guy. Good guy. And, uh, you know, he, he watched a little more tape, got a chance to watch UCLA-USC in real time on Saturday. Meanwhile, a lot of the players apparently got to sleep. <laughs> they just they, 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 got a, they got a few extra hours of sleep and rest and, and time to, to rest up and heal up uh, for the final two weeks of the regular season. And I, I found it interesting, um, his, his thoughts on some of, the, some of the skill sets that receivers for Stanford in this offensive scheme that, that they need to exhibit that are unique to this scheme that you might not necessarily see in others. And, you know, it, it's interesting to note that it's not just the quarterback who has to process a lot of things before the snap and to do a lot of things on the fly. It's not just the quarterback that has a lot on his plate. Receiver has a lot to process too. They have to be able to process a lot of information as well and think a lot of things on the fly because he needs to be on the same page as the quarterback who assumed, uh, who was assuming, uh, assumedly uh, making a lot of the same reads as his, as his wide receivers are. So it's not just the quarterback who has to take multiple things into account whenever they're under center. It's the wide receiver too. They're, they're reading the defense and they're making sure that they're going where they need to go to make sure that they're in the right spot, that KJ can get him the ball. And more often than not, it's worked, it seems, throughout much of the year. So I'm glad that uh, Coach Kennedy was able to point that out. And uh, our thanks to him uh, for joining us here on the show. This is the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. You can follow me on Twitter, by the way, at Troy Clarity. Last name is C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. I certainly appreciate those of you who have done so to this point. And we're spending today getting you ready for a Thanksgiving weekend brawl with the Bruins. 
down in Pasadena. Thanksgiving weekend is finally here. Wow, I got I got my turkey brining in the in the fridge as we speak. Can't wait to uh, bust out that bad boy later on. Some notes on UCLA coming up in just a couple of minutes with a couple of thoughts from David Shaw. But 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 one note I, I want to get to here uh, at, at this point in the show. One thing that has obviously been a subplot for Stanford this year has been health. So many injuries across all position groups, almost all of them anyway. Quarterback hasn't been one of them. Uh, But across most position groups, health has been an issue, especially along the offensive line. And Nate Herbig, by the way, his status and availability in some question for the rest of the season. He's definitely out uh, for UCLA, but there's there's some questions as to whether he's going to be available and good to go for, for Stanford's possible bowl game. So uh, that's going to be something worth watching in the weeks ahead. But one guy in particular, when I went to David Shaw's weekly press conference on Tuesday late morning, that I was not thrilled to hear or was still on the injury list, is Devry Hamilton. Hamilton's status a bit up in the air for this Saturday's contest against UCLA. And that's a bit disconcerting, not just because Hamilton is listed on the depth chart this week for the Cardinal as the starting right guard, but also because he's listed as the backup left tackle and the backup right tackle as well. So three positions potentially affected by a potential lack of Devery Hamilton. And as mentioned, you know, personnel has just been so thin. You know, you just got to, you know, you just got to look at it and see, you know, who who's healthy and where can they go? Where can they play? It's been, it's been pretty tough. And not just Nate Herbig uh, is, is, is out for this one. Drew Dahlman apparently on the shelf as well. So, so tough times for a unit that, that that didn't have a lot of depth to begin with, and that depth has almost been completely exhausted. However, you get a bit of good news while hanging out on practice at practice on Tuesday evening. Uh, David Shaw did mention that Foster Sorrell, a tackle for Stanford, you might remember uh, he got injured against UC Davis earlier in the year, but uh, Sorrell back and practicing. That's good news. And his availability is not being ruled out this Saturday in Pasadena. So that's good news. Uh, I'm not going to jump up and down necessarily and take it to the bank because practicing is a, is, there's a big difference between practicing and actually playing in a football game. But it sure as heck beats the alternative, doesn't it? Stanford offensive line getting bodies back instead of taking them off the table. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what Foster Sorrell is able to accomplish this week in practice and uh, if he is able to go uh, on Saturday and if he's able to go, um, if he's able to make lasting contributions. Because as we've seen, unfortunately, when, when guys have been dinged up and still have been asked to go out there, sometimes it's been hit or miss. I mean, Walker Little, who, is, who has played very well the last couple of weeks, but I think a lot of that perhaps is directly correlated to his health. He wasn't healthy for for a good portion of the early part of the season. And on some instances, it showed. Little struggled as a result. But he's gotten healthier, and he's played much better 
as the season's gone along. So, so just because you're, you're able to play doesn't necessarily mean you're, that you're at 100%. And if you're not at 100%, um, that, that, could, that could be something worth watching on the offensive line. But still, overall, certainly glad that Foster Sorrell is back in practicing. Because I'll, you know, I'm sure David Shaw and the Offensive Brain Trust will take all the help they can get. Let's talk about the UCLA Bruins, as they are only 3-8 and eight on the season, which is somewhat unexpected in some instances, especially for a, for a Chip Kelly coach team. But they're coming off, off of a big win for them. They're probably their signature win of the season for them so far, in which they beat USC at the Rose Bowl last week. Only 57,000 showed up for UCLA-USC last week. That's that's amazing to me. But the star of the show for the Bruins was Joshua Kelly. They're running back the transfer from UC Davis, who wasn't starting early in the year, but has come on of late. And Kelly making a big impact, 289 yards rushing against that once proud USC defense. Kelly was fantastic. Uh, UCLA center boss Tagaloa, what a great name that is. He was magnificent. And, and usually if you've got a running back, you know, drop it almost 300 yards, generally that means your offensive line is putting in work and getting it done. And it's intriguing that, you know, you think about Chip Kelly, you think about the Oregon blur, you think about, you think about the go, go, go tempo, you think about quarterback shotgunning all throughout the game. But, but no, no, UCLA goes under center a fair amount of time. Their quarterback, Wilton Spates, one of the better drop back passers, um, that that's available in, in the game today. And again, there aren't that many, but still it's, it's something. And Chip Kelly, not deciding to reinvent the wheel with Spates as his quarterback. Maybe you saw a little bit closer to what you expected from a Chip Kelly offense. When, when Spates was on the shelf and Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, was, was Robinson Thompson, Thompson Robinson, Robinson Thompson. Anyway, DTR, that's it. Thompson Robinson. <laughs> His, his, his name escaped me for just that, that brief second. But Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, the freshman, was playing quarterback uh, for a moment or so while Wilton Spates was injured. And, and that's when you saw a bit more of what you expect from a Chip Kelly offense scheme-wise. But with Spates in the game, with Spates with UCLA, a lot more under center than you might expect and a lot more drop-back passes than you might expect. So Chip Kelly isn't going to he, – he's not going to run a scheme that his guys can't execute. He'll get his guys, but Wilton Spates, not the, not the spread option type of guy. So that might be a bit of a shock if you haven't seen UCLA football so far this year. That might be a bit of a shock to you when you're watching Wilton Spates go under center and go, wait a minute, isn't Chip Kelly the head coach? Well, yes, he is. But that's not going to preclude him from, from, playing, from uh, using a scheme that plays to his quarterback strengths. I'm more interested in the other side of the ball, the UCLA defense, and how they can cope with the Stanford offense that has a lot of weapons, especially in the passing game. On Tuesday, during his weekly press conference, I asked David Shaw for his thoughts, what pops out and who pops out on that UCLA defense. And he started with their very fine cornerback, Darnay Holmes. Darnay has really, really arrived. 
as a as an exceptional college football player. He is quick, explosive, athletic. He's got great ball skills, which we knew. And a lot of people initially were recruiting him as an offensive player. Um, ultra competitive. Um, he's not big in stature, but he'll come up and hit you too now. He ain't afraid to tackle anybody. Not afraid to challenge anybody. Um, I mean, that's the first thing. Um, secondly, they've got speed on the edge. They've got athleticism. Um, they've got a large human being inside that... Um, you know, when the guy's in the gap, I mean, he's, yes, he's in the gap, but he's on the center and the guard's shoulders at the same time. Um, so you see size inside, athleticism on the edge, um, and defensive backs that don't, they're not afraid to play man coverage, not played, afraid to play press coverage and uh, challenge the receivers. So um, those are the things you see when you put the film on. That's David Shaw giving us a preview of the UCLA Bruins defense. And uh, Darnay Holmes, the cornerback, leading the way. And you know they, they've got they've got nice players, but I, I'm not sure that they have enough to hang with Stanford offensively. If the Cardinal are doing what it needs to do, if the Cardinal are performing at peak efficiency, and if they're not shooting themselves in the foot with silly penalties and untimely turnovers, I'm not sure that the UCLA defense can hang with Stanford offensively. I didn't necessarily come away that impressed with the Bruins' efforts on defense against USC. They made enough plays, but I wasn't walking away from them going, whoa, I don't know if Stanford's going to be able to solve these guys. I I think they can. And I I feel good about Stanford's abilities uh, against UCLA's defense. Again, assuming Stanford does what it needs to do and executes how it needs, needs to execute. I just don't know if UCLA has enough players defensively to hang with Stanford on the uh, Stanford and, and, and the Cardinal offense. Now, you know, I mean, UCLA has mentioned that moments last week, but, but what happens when they face a quarterback who actually makes good decisions and isn't an 18-year-old kid still trying to figure it all out? Boy, JT Daniels had several more freshman moments. Had some nice throws, but had some other moments where it's like, good grief. You know, he's going to look a lot better in a couple of years after a lot more seasoning. Who, who knows what what coach and offensive coordinator he's going to be working with by then. But, but, but Daniel certainly had some moments that made UCLA defense uh, look quite good. I'm not so sure that K.J. Costello is going to put the UCLA defense in good positions or in as many good positions this time around. I'm, I'm just not that convinced about that. So that, to me, is what I'm going to be watching when I'm, when I'm roaming the sidelines from the Rose Bowl more than anything else. What the UCLA defense does and how the Stanford offense executes against the Bruins on Saturday. Another soundbite I want to play for you here. Uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, David Shaw and Chip Kelly squaring off against each other once again. And it's no secret that, that David Shaw is a big, big fan of Chip Kelly's. And I think the, the feeling is mutual. Given that, I asked David Shaw on Tuesday for his thoughts on, you know, when he first got a chance to, to, to spend some extended time with Chip and, and what he makes of, of, of how they've interacted and how they've related over the years. It's a pretty interesting clip, I think, and it kind of gives some unique insight into both guys as a result. David Shaw on Chip Kelly. Well, the first time I met Chip was after, after I got the, got the job. And 
went to the Pac-12 meetings in spring and passed by him. He was a mid-conversation. I said hello. He said hello, kind of, you know, and that was it. And then a little bit later that day, we are kind of walking towards the same thing. We just started talking, and I don't remember what it was about. He started asking me questions. I started asking him questions. And it's one of the things that, that you know, I've been saying this for a while now from the from the perception, you know, looks like we have two completely different philosophies, and we really don't um, believe in running the ball, believe in being physical up front. Um, we believe in, in using the running game to set up the passing game. Um, we believe in taking advantage of what you're doing to try to make big plays. We believe in being aggressive on the defensive side. Um, and uh, our approach to football, I think, is the same, whereas try not to get clouded with all this other stuff, which I think distracts players uh, and some coaches and the media uh, with things that really don't matter. And uh, are our guys doing the right things? Are we working hard? Are we pushing ourselves? Are we taking care of ourselves off the football field? Um, and are we playing together as a team? Like Those are things that matter. Um, so, you know, it, it doesn't take long sometimes when you just start to talk to somebody you kind of see that you're not just your your football philosophy, but your general um, philosophy on how you operate as a as a as an entity, um, as a football team, um, kind of go hand in hand. And it didn't take long for that at all. And I think we're also two that don't take ourselves that seriously, and don't mind being the head of a football program, but. We don't need to be out there all the time. We want to talk about our players and our staff and our, our program. Um, and don't mind laughing at it ourselves every once in a while. Um, and being normal guys, even when at times people try to make you seem like you're not a normal guy, like you're something different. We're just two guys that like playing football and like coaching football, like being around the guys and um, enjoy what we do. So what was your reaction when you got the gig at, the, at UCLA? I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic um, because I know what he's going to do there with the recruiting base that they're able to have and the guys he's going to be able to get there. Um, uh, he's going to, he's got a chance to build something special down there and uh, this rivalry uh, will continue. And it's not a nasty rivalry as much as it is a very respectful rivalry. Um, I want to win. They want to win. There's no question about that. Um, but I think, I think this conference has missed Chip, um, his personality, his his offense, um, and uh, was, I was glad to have him back. That's David Shaw sharing his thoughts on uh, Chip Kelly. And uh, look, Chip, Chip isn't going to talk a lot of personal stuff. All right, you know, don't ask him how the family is. You know, apparently uh, his coaching staff at Oregon didn't even know Chip was married. That's how personal and that's how private Chip Kelly is. So. You know, if you if you're asking him for small talk, if you ask him, you know, where he's going to go for vacation or anything like that, no, he's going to shut that down pretty quickly. But if you want him to talk ball, oh, he's 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 got a lot to say there, and he's got, you know, obviously a super curious coach. He's always on the lookout for more ideas, and and vice versa. So, and 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 David Shaw has also noted on several occasions that that he and that he and Chip have exchanged ideas numerous times, and that, that David Shaw himself has even stolen a few ideas from Chip over the years. So interesting to see 
those two back on the same field again because they, they have a lot of respect for each other. I remember after uh, Chip made the move uh, to coach the San Francisco 49ers and at uh, Pro Day, Stanford Football Pro Day in the spring of 2016, uh, Chip, of course, showed up. Why not? You know, their facility's, what, 11 miles up the street? Pretty easy ride. So Chip showed up, and he and David Shaw spent much of that afternoon on the field, on the sidelines, hanging out. That must have been pretty cool. So David Shaw and Chip Kelly, in some ways you might think that they're exact polar opposites, but in a lot of ways they're not. They're not. Interesting dynamic between those two. Looking forward to seeing how it all unfolds and shakes out on Saturday afternoon. A noon kickoff. You can watch my guys, Ted Robinson and Yogi Roth, on the Pac-12 Network. You could do that. Or I would also suggest watching the game on TV if you can't be there yourself in Pasadena, obviously. But I'll suggest watching the game on TV so the Pac-12 numbers, the Pac-12 Networks gets the, gets the ratings numbers. Hitting mute, turning on your radio. KMBR 1050 here in the Bay Area, uh, the TuneIn app everywhere else, and checking out Scott Reese, Todd Huzak, and yours truly. I'll be on the sidelines looking forward to that on Saturday as Stanford faces UCLA. So that is, that's really how I would recommend uh, consuming Stanford UCLA this Saturday afternoon. Should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. And, that's, and, and as I you know, mentioned with Bobby Kennedy, man. Stepping into that Rose Bowl, stepping into that stadium, that's a special place, man. That, that, is, that is truly hallowed ground. I love that place. I, I wish that if it was up to me, every single championship game in football would be played at the Rose Bowl. Super Bowl, college football championships, high school football championship, peewee league, every college or every, every championship game should be played at the Rose Bowl. That's a wonderful place. And I love walking into that building. Won't be able to do it on January 1st this year, unfortunately. But I'll take walking in there November 24th. Should be fun. Thanks again to our guest, Stanford wide receivers coach Bobby Kennedy. Special thanks, as always, to you for joining us uh, on the TreeCast and checking us out, for following me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity, and for subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. As usual, my reminder to you, do not drink and drive. And that reminder is especially pertinent this holiday weekend. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Talk to you on Sunday, in all likelihood, on the next edition of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.